This episode originally aired on June 17th, 2022 on the Unethical Patreon. Our guest today is Celeste Brown from Unethical Podcast and Abigail. How did I get the candle? <laughs> I do love how you call it candle heart. <laughs> I don't know how to say it properly. She wasn't in Kandahar at all. She's in Kandahar. It's the shop across the street that sells candles. <laughs> oh, Celeste is here. Great. Fuck. Oh, Richard's here. Great. Fuck. <laughs> I feel like that's how most people greet me. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, what's going on in most people's minds when I go to a room. Uh, well, that's that's on the sign above your head that I have that says uh, for service, plea Richard by saying, oh, it's Richard. Fuck. You're good at signs. Pretty big sign. Yeah. I knew I should be char- put you in charge of signs. I, I'm not sure. I just charge. They're, they're my passion. So. <laughs> Abigail, for fuck's sakes, where the fuck have you been? Jesus Christ. I was just about to jump to the Middle East. Rick got us drone tickets. I don't know even how I got there. To Kandahar, you would have had to get on a plane, at least maybe a boat. I think it was a plane. There was a lot of turbulence in that baggage compartment. Uh, I have so many questions. What the fuck? We thought you were in jail, man. What the fuck? Officer Virgil, I found he's not even a police officer. Just a weird BDSM guy. Yeah, he he tried to do weird things with me. Like what? Like, I can't tell you the things that he tried to do to me. Don't be shy. Great detail. It's humiliating. Rick, get your notepad out. Write this down. Oh, Rick knows. He's got surveillance. All right. Well, where, where did where did he bring you? He brought, just brought you to a plane? He just brought you to a car, cargo? Yeah, I was cargo, man. I, I was treated like, like baggage, which I guess I was. You know what? I didn't even think to call you in jail. I didn't even know. Well, you guys don't give a fuck about me anyway, even after everything I did for you. Accurate. That's not true. Uh Richard cares deeply about bashing your name every time it comes up. So I would say he gives a fuck. A kind one, I don't know. But Abigail Bag of Fail is what I call you. Well, at least you have fun little nicknames for me. Is there anything else we can help you out with? Yeah, I would like you to figure out exactly what happened to Elizabeth Short. Yeah, no, Richard, you're not going to do that. Abigail doesn't have any money. I kind of feel bad for being mean. Yeah, no, you weren't mean. She committed crimes on your property. You're not going to do that. Well, she gave me good drugs, too. I just didn't want to tell anybody. She gave me some sick drugs. (laughs) She did what? She has the best mushrooms in town. I'm just telling you. She gave me some sweet psilocybin-based drugs. Why did I hire you? You also drugged me, just so that we're clear on on why I don't want to help you. All right, Abigail, I will tell you what. The dicks can solve your case if you give me one of your candles from Candlehar. I can do that. I got a two for one deal. You know what else was two for one? Elizabeth motherfucking short. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong, but what the fuck are you talking about? Candle? What what is going on with the candle? I want candles. Where where are you getting candles? I was in Candlehar. What do you mean you were in Candlehar? What the fuck is Candlehar? I ran into her at Candlehar. Where the fuck did you think she came from? Why do you think she came here with me? I don't know. I just, I, we, I thought she was in the Middle East. Fucking Officer Virgil fucked me again. You're lucky I like candles. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. This case is outrageously uh, written about. 
just so everybody knows it's written about there's like probably about 100 books on this case accounts vary as to the specificity of the before what's happened and afterwards what happened not in a large way but some things are negligible like you'll see like i go through a few things that could have happened or could not have happened as we go but like people are going to get mad it doesn't matter this is so fucking dense that i did the best i could in seven thousand words so let's have fun so elizabeth short do you know anything about this ricky i do not you don't know anything about black dahlia have you ever even heard about it no no this will be interesting rj have you heard about this before um i think i watched the movie a while ago and the, then uh, the De Palma movie like the black dahlia the movie called the black dahlia? Is that who it was i don't remember dude i think i was pretty young when it came out yeah josh hartnett yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah yeah okay that is the biggest piece of trash non close well you never know who the fuck knows but it's very it takes a lot of leaps but it's a De Palma movie it's fine it's good uh, i think that's probably why josh hartnett quit acting then was for that scathing review you just gave it did he quit acting? Time. Uh, he's back now, but yeah, he did for a while. Oh, no, he just quit again about four seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Did he? Oh, yeah, right after Richard that scathing review. Damn it. That's, you're fucking killing us. Hollywood's missing. Josh Hartnett, Richard. These two crime junkie nerds, you guys have heard about the Black Dahlia before. Celeste. Oh, hell yeah. 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 It's one I wanted to cover for a long time with this because it is one of my favorite mysteries because it's so fucked and it's so random. And it's, it's just so, what the fuck, you know? So I learned a lot, actually, because I didn't know, I didn't ever went this much detail with it. I've just heard podcasts and read articles and watched the movie and stuff like that, but I never really went full force. So there's a lot of interesting stuff. So I'm pretty excited to bring this to you. So I like how the rest of the world is like, I read like, you know, a one page article in the toilet one time. I didn't get super into it, but you're like, I've just listened to some podcasts and watched a movie and researched it and wrote my thesis on it, but not super lots. <laughs> well, it's that, it's just like, it's not like I sat there and I learned about it. This time I learned about it, you know? My, uh, my friend that died last week, his band was called the Black Dahlia Murder. Perfect timing, I guess, unless that's weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's like a sore spot, then it's kind of weird. Weird that you called her friend dying, perfect timing. yeah okay (laughs) i take no offense we'll see how this goes okay so black dahlia her name she had a name once black dahlia her name was elizabeth short kind of a boring name uh she was born on july 29th 1924 in boston massachusetts a lot of a lot of articles and podcasts and documentaries that i watched and read and all that kind of stuff they, they all said that her friends called her betty and then they proceed to call her Betty all the way through the episode. She's not my friend. I didn't know her, so I'm going to call her Elizabeth. I find it weird that you're trying to bring yourself down to a friend level with the murder victim. So she's going to be Elizabeth. All right. Very respectful. She was the third of five daughters. She was the middle child. Her parents were named Cleo and Phoebe May Short. Cleo had a wicked job. He had a hilarious job, actually. He built miniature golf courses. And he was very successful at that. He went around Boston building mini golf. I love that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Turns out mini golf courses aren't recession proof. And Cleo lost all of his money in the 1929 stock market crash. Who would have thought? You know? Not I. I would have thought building miniature golf courses would last forever. In 1930, Cleo left the family when Elizabeth was only five years old. 
Cleo's car was found abandoned on the Charleston Bridge. So they assumed that he'd parked it there and jumped to his death. Oh, sucks. After that, the family moved around quite a bit uh, from Boston to Portland for a little bit. And then finally settling in Medford, which is just basically a suburb of Boston. It's a, it's a smaller city that's just outside. It's like 63,000 people. So it's not really what Phoebe was used to with the, the big city life, but they got used to it and they made it work. Phoebe took a job as a bookkeeper in Medford to support the family. Uh, Elizabeth had severe asthma and emphysema and bronchitis. They kept mentoring every fucking lung disease I could think of, but it was so bad that she had to get lung surgery in 1939 when she was 15 years old. I'm sorry. Lung surgery? 19 yeah. what? 1939. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Jesus. that. how did she survive? Like fucking Christ. They just like, which is like, well, they just like take them out of her chest and like ring them and then just like <laughs> stuff them back in there. <laughs> I hope it's just pulling the lungs out and ringing them out. That's funny. Uh, they didn't really get it. I was trying to figure out what kind of lung surgery you could do for asthma because I didn't know you could do any type of lung surgery, but maybe they just cut her open and like <laughs> give her a little hole, scrape to get some scrapings. I don't fucking know. Do you get like polyps or some shit on your lungs? I don't know. I didn't get, I, I was thinking about it too. I was like, I should get right into asthma and figure out what you can do, but then I just didn't. Apparently all you need to do is heat, use heat to shrink the smooth muscles in your lungs. So the doctor just cuts you open and goes. <sighs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's disgusting. Is it? Yeah. She, because of her lung problems and they live so north, she dropped out of school. The doctor said they should move to like a milder uh, climate because of her lung issues. It didn't really matter though anyway. Well, it did, I guess. But I mean, back then people dropped out of school all the time and she was a terrible student. She was getting like C's and D's. It's not like now where everyone has to finish high school. She could have dropped out and been fine. It's probably best for her. She wasn't doing good anyway. They were poor enough family as it was, and they couldn't really move from Boston. So what they did, they would just, in the winter months, they would send Elizabeth down to Florida to go live with some family friends. So every, every summer, like I said, for three years, she kept going down to Florida. All this stuff just attributes to them being, like, they're not rich people to begin with anyway. So, like, the lung surgery probably cost them a shit ton. Track Sending her down there, uh, down south all the time probably cost them a shit ton. So... Phoebe had to get a couple extra jobs. Plus she was on welfare. They were fucking poor. Okay. And the reason I'm even bringing up their poor is because it kind of makes a difference as to why, what Elizabeth does coming up soon. The only real thing that they did for fun was watch movies. Film was their thing. So Elizabeth became, fell in love with the whole acting Hollywood, wanted to become a big star and move off to LA to, to become that. Even at like 14, 15, that was her wish. Yeah. It's, it's a thing that uh, I, I had the same thoughts trying to get into comedy and stuff being like, let's get, let's go. But it's not what you'd think. There's only six people that actually make it really big. The rest of them live like shit. Like it's not a fun life being an actor or comedian or something like that. It's not as lavish as you might want it to be, or you might think it is. I don't know. It's like playing the lottery, right? You're so friggin' unlikely to win, but you still play. Some people can't help themselves. Like I, I have decent job. I don't have to do half the stuff I do. I just do it because I, I need to. Like my brain makes me. You know what I mean? Like I have to put on shows. I have to do this stuff. Otherwise, I'll go crazy. Well, you're reasonable, right? Some people are like, I will be like a sexually assaulted waitress for years, trying to make it big in Hollywood until they age out. Basically, yeah. people live like trash, and they in love with their life too because they are acting. I've got a side part 
in bones you're like i love my life like that's all they do their entire career anyway she loved that she wanted to do that 1942 rolls around phoebe gets an apology letter from cleo in the mail stating that no he did not die he just left her and the kids and started a new life in california so that's exactly what i was like excuse me what yeah he he pretended he died the bet like i don't know what's worse on that like he pretended he jumped off and like everyone went okay he's dead and nobody seemed to go look for him like nobody cared everyone's like okay he's dead. let's move on now <laughs> you know what i mean like no more no more mini golf for us no big deal well the mini golf is still there yeah it's still cool you can always do that uh actually cleo's letter said that he wanted to come home he felt bad 12 years later like i, I want to come home and be with you my phoebe and oh, she was like right off yeah get the fuck out of here you're not coming home good imagine faking your own death to get away from your <laughs> but imagine everyone not even giving a shit that you faked your own death and just starting a new life like nobody seemed to care so why fake your death just leave and don't come back that's how much ego this guy probably had though he probably thought everyone's going to be devastated they're going to come crawling looking for me and things are going to change 12 years later i get the appeal of faking your own death i really do <laughs> but the, the girls found out about their father's non-death and i'm guessing i put some strain on them but elizabeth was 18 at this time and the news of her father being alive actually really excited her i don't think it's because like her house life was terrible it's just she was poor and the excitement of having someone in LA because that's what she wanted to do. Like in California, she could just, now I can go there. I can be that person. I can do the thing I want to do. And 18 years old, perfect age to do it. In December, 1942, at the end of the year, her dad sends her $200 to travel and to come live with her in Vallejo. Damn. What's he been doing that he's got bank building mini golf courses? No, I wish it was still that. They just there's been a trail of golf courses across America. You could have found me. It would have been easy. No, he actually gave up his mini golf thing and he started a construction job. He was working at at the Mare Island Shipyard in San oh, Francisco cool. Bay. Yeah, he so he ship. went to LA to give up on his dream. No, he actually he went to California. He didn't go to LA. He went to like Vallejo. I guess. Okay, pardon me. He went to California to give up on his dream. Yeah, exactly. I think after the stock market crashed, he's like, "Fuck this noise. I'm out. No more golf clubs for me." No, just a construction guy now. A shipyard guy. Yeah, so Elizabeth got there in December. Uh, It didn't last long. Her and her dad were constantly fighting. Cleo thought Elizabeth was lazy. And he also didn't like the guys that she brought home. She would bring home guys all the time. They were all, they weren't all, but they had criminal records, some of these guys. Can you believe it? The audacity. This poor thing. Yeah. And her dad kept calling her lazy too. Like you don't keep the house. Like if you're not going to do anything, you got to make sure this house is beautiful. It's the only place I could breathe is down here, daddy. So yeah. So she moves out a month later and she gets a job at the base exchange at Camp Cook. Camp Cook is actually now Vanderburg Air Base, Vandenberg Air Base, where they shoot rockets into space. SpaceX chucks a bunch of shit up from there. The base exchange is basically like the store at the military base. It's like a I don't know, like, like a convenience store or like, like a Walmart or some shit or like a Target that's on the base, like a big company store. store? Yeah, I guess. Kind of, I, I would imagine so. They probably take credit like a company store. It's probably like exactly like that. Most of those bases convenience stores are smaller, like a gas station one without the gas. Yeah, this is more like where they go buy clothes and shit when they don't want to leave base. You know, like a, like a Walmart. Like I said, like a Walmart. It's not like the convenience store. It's more like sort of like a commissary. 
Yeah. About yes. like socks and shit. Yeah. Yeah. While she was working on Camp Cook, Elizabeth apparently won the quote Camp Cutie of Camp Cook beauty contest. Isn't that fun? Wow. Who else was in the running? Probably just her and Bill. That's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, <laughs> she seems actually, she doesn't really seem like a nice lady, honestly. She's, but she's her dreams of working in Hollywood. She has like a, a like an affinity towards the military men you'll see very soon. Yeah, she was living with an Air Force sergeant who abused her, apparently. That's nobody ever said his name or anything or what kind of abuse he could have just yelled at her. I don't know. But she got out of that by mid 1943 and moved to Santa Barbara. And then by September 43, she was arrested for underage drinking after being caught at the bar. She was 19 years old. That's this picture behind me here. That's her mug shots. So that's like her dolled up. She's got a nice profile now that you've moved over. She looks like a movie star from the side, but from the front, it's kind of like not so much. I, I've, you know, honestly, I think find this is the hottest picture of her. Like a lot of the pictures where she's all done up and smiling and stuff. She's like, I don't know. Is she movie star? Is she going to, I don't know, different views of beauty, but she's, I find she's hot. It's just, this is the hottest picture of her. If this is what you think is, eh, then that's the best. She's not going to be a movie star. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. She's a pretty girl, but she's not going to be a movie star. Yeah, for sure. So they fingerprint her. They take a photo of her, but they never, she never spends a night in jail. The, The juvenile police authorities or whatever, they felt bad for her. And they said, just go back to Boston. That was her deal. Get out of get out of this state. Well, that's a little extreme. Yeah, I, I think I I'd rather just pay the fine. Uh, I, I fucking agree. I don't I don't get how that could even happen, but they probably just said, go back to your mom. I feel bad for you. Pack up your whole life, quit your job <laughs> yeah, and go exactly. back to Boston. You poor thing. You should have been whoring it up, drinking those beers at the bar. You floozy. Wow. She never goes back to Massachusetts. She just goes back to Florida with the family friends. Um, like I, I don't mean she never goes back like she does go visit her family in Medina every once in a while but she settles back in Florida and then when she's in Florida now she falls in love with an Air Force officer named Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr. and this is 1943 so what's going on in 1943? World War II. Yes World War II uh, and he's training for deployment to the Asia Pacific front of the war where he does end up so Elizabeth ends up being like one of these stay-at-home army wife, girlfriend things. And then she tells her friend that Major Gordon proposed to her through a letter while he's uh, actually injured from getting in a plane crash. He's sitting there texting his girlfriend or emailing or whatever the fuck they did back then, uh, <laughs> sending letters. She said she accepted his proposal, but Major Gordon never made it back to the U.S. because he died in a completely different airplane crash on August 10th, 1945. That's less than a week before the end of World War II. Nah, that guy faked his death. Yeah, he knew he was coming back. 100%. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. If your dad fakes your death for no reason, your fiance does, there's a reason. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're the problem. I mean, this dude looks like out of her league. I I 100% agree with you. I was thinking like, this guy's a fucking babe and a half. He's probably like, what is he doing? He is a handsome gentleman. We just saw Rick pulled up a picture. Good looking man. He's got kind of like a Gary Busey Jr. teeth. Like they're not too big, but they're big. They're in there. He's got a Mm. nice, beautiful Busey smile. Good looking dude. But she puts out. So Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she, he died. She's devastated from the whole thing. So she ends up in 1946 deciding to move to LA. She's going to finally go for it. 
uh, and she's going to visit an acquaintance from Florida and our an Air Force Army or sorry, an Air Force lieutenant named Joseph Gordon Fickling. And she had a, a brief affair with Fickling in Florida before Major Gordon. Just so it was like a short thing, but they didn't stay together long because he was sent off to war. So she went, oh, you're gone next. You know what I mean? Like, that's what she did. Uh, God, she sucks. Yeah. So Fickling was back now, and he, but he's stationed at the Naval Reserve Air Base in Long Beach, California. Uh, they rekindle their relationship, but it doesn't last long, obviously. Uh, he breaks up with her because he's moving to North Carolina. He's like, I'm not staying in fucking L.A. because you're here. Uh, <laughs> no, he moves to North Carolina. But apparently they became, they remain friends, her and Fickling. Well, this is one didn't fake his death he probably wanted to but felt too bad fickling's a beaut too if you see did you look up fickling he's a good looking guy too they remain friends they have actually communication through the rest of her life she sends him a couple letters here and there wow how slow is the postal system that that's the rest of their oh she died really young never mind yeah she doesn't she doesn't have much of a right <laughs> she doesn't have much of a life left uh, <laughs> she was determined to stay in la this time she wasn't just gonna run to the next guy and follow her dreams so she spent the next six months of her life in la working as a waitress and this is where i said it it varies the accounts it doesn't really matter but like some places say that she's working as a prostitute which i highly doubt no one can really prove that but people say that in articles and they also say that she didn't work at all and she would just flirt with guys and use them to get her into the nightclubs and pay her rent and help with groceries and stuff like that so she's a big mm. cock tease that's that's gotta be equally as exhausting as waiting tables though yeah probably probably if not worse <laughs> really so she either she was a waitress working hard trying to get her thing in she was a sex worker or she was just flirty with guys like a tease and i think the last ones she didn't work at all makes the most sense after all the stuff that i read so you would find i i feel like there'd be more accounts of people she worked with at you know what i mean there'd be more of that i just never saw that anywhere so she lived in a small apartment when she was in la it was behind the florentine gardens nightclub on hollywood boulevard and she was trying her damnedest to get into the film industry. She lived in that cramped apartment with eight other women. So now that sounds like prostitute. You know what I mean? Like that sounds like sex work now. Like it sounds like a pimp area, but I don't know. The Florentine Gardens nightclub. Yeah. What happened, man? Even nightclubs were elegant. Now it's like, I don't know, jizz. <laughs> well, um, you know, there was also rampant racism then, but sure let's let's That's trade true. it for for fancy nightclub names <laughs> yeah you're right i'll go to a nightclub called jizz if it means equality fair enough yeah that's right yeah that's florentine gardens that's whites only straight hetero white men all right uh jizz that's a club for everybody <laughs> you can get jizz wherever you want exactly who doesn't love jizz god knows i do yeah She's often described in articles and documentaries as an aspiring actress. Her sister claims that Elizabeth's been doing extra work, but she had to take a break because there was a strike in Hollywood around that time. There's no evidence anywhere or credits to her having been in any movies, any films at all. She was in and out of nightclubs, picking up many different men. She didn't drink either, which I find even more mysterious, like more like she wasn't a party person. She just go there and, get dudes to like buy her shit i don't know it's fucking weird how'd she get arrested she went she was at the bar she didn't even drink oh dude that's like yeah not cool detectives like i'm saying detectives on the case later said she was more of a tease than a prostitute even though uh she met many men they could only find three that she actually had any sexual encounters with the detectives said that's part of an official yeah. investigation they called her a fucking tease 
Yeah, they did for sure. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I'm so glad to live in the time that we do. It's a lot better than the 1930s for sure. 1940s, I guess. All right, I take it back. I mean, the cop would know. She she was teasing him, and he just ended it right there. <laughs> you're on. You're on. Oh, your theory is the cop did it. All right, that's I like that yeah. one. Okay. I think it would be solved if that was the case, because he'd say that, and then everyone would be like, "Yeah, all right, cool." Here's more official investigation stuff. Uh, they called her a big fat liar. She lied about everything. She wasn't fat. Yeah, she, that's true. She's 115 pounds. No, not fat. Apparently, Elizabeth lied a lot, especially one lie she would tell to a lot of people that she'd lost a son during childbirth. And that was completely untrue. Never had a kid. Not once. But she would tell people for sympathy. I lost my kid. I'm guessing she lied a lot about a thing. Like she told her sister she was doing extra work. Lie. She was probably not. She was trying, but she probably never got one role ever. Uh, she tells a guy later on that she's dating someone from the studio. Probably a lie. Maybe. Probably a lie, though. She just lied a lot. People called her a f- liar. On December 8th, 1946, uh, Elizabeth leaves her cramped apartment and gets on a bus heading to San Diego. Not really sure why. Can't really figure out the whole reason behind that. But I do see reports that she went out there because she was scared of something. People said she was, oh, she was scared. But that could be another one of her lies. Like, it's probably more she was failing at her acting job. You know, she just probably had more leads out there or looking for better work out there. Partially because she was probably not all that good at acting. Also because there was an acting strike at the time. So getting any acting jobs, especially for a new person, was nearly impossible. People were working and doing their own thing, but not people trying to break in. That was really hard. I call bullshit, though. Like, everybody was fucking bad at acting back then. Like, if you watched old movies? Oh, yeah. They're terrible. Like, how do you, it feels like there wasn't ever a craft at that point. So like, how do you get trash? Like, what are you, she's just getting up there and just like slapping her hands together and drooling. Like (laughs) that's perspective though. Those guys back then, like Orson Welles and them were considered really good actors, whether they're shit today compared to what we have today back then, they were considered amazing. Right. I mean, I guess, but like, even like the shittiest daytime soap opera star could act circles around (laughs) fucking Orson Welles. Like I'm not going to sit here and fucking like, listen to like cinema files or whatever the fuck tell me. It's like, oh, you have to appreciate the blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it still is really dumb. It's like the most movie a movie can get is anything from back in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, but that was the point. People didn't want to go watch movies about how life actually is. They wanted to go watch movies that were very obviously a character living out of fantasy i get. i mean like at that point you might as well just like have like fucking paper dolls in front of a light and just make shadow puppets with it like that's how bad they were but you got to think about it like all this acting stuff comes from old vaudeville shows and shit like that and like theater and stuff none of that shit's well fine if you guys want to sit here and make excuses for the past i i don't want to be here when we start talking about slavery That escalated really quickly. <laughs> I, nobody's saying they're good. I'm just saying that was what was considered good. That's all I'm saying. Whatever, slavery apologists. <laughs> wow. RJ, <laughs> who pissed in your Wheaties this morning? Look, man, I'm all fired up, all right? I had technical difficulties. It doesn't fucking happen in my house, all right? <laughs> Why so. are you so mean? I was so excited to see you. Rick, you're my new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm still excited to see you. I was going to be an asshole about it. <laughs> Best I can do is just be a fucking dick about it. Yeah. So uh, Elizabeth go- makes her way to San Diego and she makes a friend there named Dorothy French. Dorothy was the ticket girl at the Aztec Theater 
And the two met when Dorothy caught Elizabeth sleeping in the theater after a movie. Wholesome. Yeah. She explained uh, she's having a hard time getting a job in the acting world back in L.A. And that she had nowhere else to stay. So Dorothy felt bad for Elizabeth and offered to let her stay at her, her and her mom's house for a few days. Wait, premature theory. Um, uh, that doesn't even actually have to do with the case. Uh, she had narcolepsy and she fell asleep all the time. And because it was the 30s, people kept date raping her. So that's why they called her a tease. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Art is attacking the 30s right now. Just like, or no, what, what year are we in now? 1940? 1943. There's yeah. there's no possible like meaningful distinction you can give me between those two decades. Sorry, 1946 is where we're at. Consent didn't exist then anyway. Exactly. So, I mean. That's what I'm saying. So you're just falling asleep in movie theaters. It's like, ah, oh, you tease. I thought the tease thing was <laughs> hilarious too, because all she was doing was living her best life, going out there fucking having some fun. Yeah, falling asleep in movie theaters, shopping departments, as they called them then. How <laughs> dare you suggest she was a prostitute? Yeah. How dare she's you just, suggest that she was sleepy? <laughs> yeah, this is this. She met a, a woman. Does this woman come in like uh, maybe? What? Her friend that she met in the theater was a, is a woman. It's not like there's a guy date raping her. I don't know where that part came from. Whoa, why you got to put genders on things, okay? <laughs> yeah, women can date All rape right. too. Don't okay. put me in a box, Richard. I'm putting you in the non-date <laughs> rape box. I'm putting the guys in the box. Don't, don't put me in a box. box. <laughs> I can date rape whoever I want. Okay, fine. Date rape all you Anything want. men can do, women can do better. <laughs> I'm choosing not rape. to acknowledge that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's not that I can't. It's fair. That's fair. My fault. I'm still going to write read it the way I wrote it, though. Okay. <laughs> Watch out, Andrea. <laughs> yeah. So Dorothy felt bad for her and offered to let her stay at her house for a couple of days. Elizabeth agrees and she stays there for over a month. Dur- she sucks so much. <laughs> yeah. It's never a couple of days. Yeah. It never is. <laughs> During this time, Elizabeth was continuing her party lifestyle, being out late at night and meeting men, bringing them back. One of the men she met then she became enamored with was a guy named Robert Red Manley. Robert or Red was a ginger, hence the nickname Red. Super clever. Red was a salesman, a hardware store salesman from LA, and he had a pregnant wife at home. They were friendly enough, and I'm sure that she was a tease to him too. Red even got Elizabeth a job interview, which she blows off. On January 2nd, 1947, Elizabeth gets kicked out of the French's house and calls Red to come pick her up. Like I said, Red was married. He came to pick her up anyway. They stayed at a hotel in San Diego for a week. Red didn't stay there the whole time. He stayed there on the one night, the January 8th. That night, Red claims he slept on the bed and Elizabeth slept on a chair. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Did he fake his death to leave his family to go to a hotel? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. At some point during this little uh, living at the French's and being in that hotel room, Elizabeth sends a letter to Fickling, her ex, saying that she was going to move to Chicago to pursue a modeling career. Okay. Yeah. The next day on January 9th, 1947, Red, at the request of Elizabeth, drove her back to L.A., dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown L.A. This part here has been reported differently a bunch too. He, some people say that he dropped her off at the Biltmore. Some people say she, they dropped her off at the bus station so she could travel to the Biltmore. Some people also say that they dropped her off at the train station so she could drop her stuff off at the train station. 
And then he pit, he took her the rest of the way to Biltmore. So she would be come back to the train station, pick her shit up and go to Chicago. So it doesn't really matter at the end, but she ended up coming back with, it matters with the theories, but it doesn't really matter right now. Apparently Elizabeth's sister, Virginia, she was her older sister, was staying at the Biltmore and she was going to go visit her there. I don't think Elizabeth's sister was visiting at all. I think this is another lie. I think Elizabeth just had had enough of red and was done bilking him for whatever she could get out of him. I think she's just looking for a ride back. She got there about nine o'clock at night. Staff of the Biltmore says that they saw Elizabeth use the telephone in the lobby. She was later, this is a, this is kind of a, maybe she was seen, this isn't verified, but people say this. She was later seen at the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge, not far from the Biltmore, less than a mile away. No confirmation on the cocktail lounge visit, but for sure the last time anybody saw her was in using that phone at the Biltmore. Six days later, 10 a.m. on January 15th, 1947, a lady named Betty Bursinger sees a discarded mannequin just off the sidewalk in a vacant lot in Leemert Park. Betty was walking with her three-year-old daughter. Awesome. When they came close, Betty sees the mannequin was about a foot away from the sidewalk in front of an overgrown vacant lot. It was in plain view of anyone who would be walking by. After seeing what she thought was a mannequin, it was actually a dead woman, Betty immediately grabbed her daughter, Annie, and ran to the nearest house looking for a telephone. Now, I do love this idea since telephones weren't as common as there. Just like, do you got a telephone? Just, I do like that. I find it's a fun morning to spend with your four-year-old or your five-year-old daughter. Oh, I bet it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is some good family fun. Yeah. I'm sure that four-year-old was like, I remember the, the most fun day I ever had <laughs> with my mom. And we were panicked and running around looking for a telephone after seeing some truly horrific shit. <laughs> it's one of the more horrific ones. Betty ends up calling the police. It took the police longer than they wanted to arrive that day uh, for whatever reason. So apparently a, a, a reporter from the LA Examiner, Will Fowler, and his photographer named Felix Pagel were the first reporters at the scene. The steadfast reporters were in the area and heard Betty's call go over their shortwave radio. Fowler claimed that he was the first guy there and he even did the the close eyes dead person thing when you put their, your hand over their eyes do you check her pulse no fuck though he's got a camera he's a media man he's not gonna check a pulse he's here to report the story he doesn't want to be part of the story oh this is a reporter sorry yeah. i was unclear i was wait i'm sorry her pulse was she not only half of a person what's your point <laughs> okay yeah did you check her pulse i did but i didn't find the part that you checked the pulse on. there's another lady that uh, claims that she was the first reporter on scene her name's aggie underward Aggie Underwood, Underwood, Jesus Christ, she's a reporter from the LA Times. Aggie Underwood was a veteran reporter who also had the acclaim of once interviewing our girl, Amelia Earhart. Oh, all right, cool. It doesn't really matter who was there first. It's just they both argued about this for their whole life, basically, uh, who got there first, which is fun. Here's how she describes the scene in the LA Times. Quote, it being the body had been cut in half through the abdomen under the ribs. The two sections were 10 to 12 inches apart. The arms bent at right angles at the elbows were raised about the shoulders. The legs were spread apart. There were bruises and cuts on the forehead and the face, which had been beaten severely. Her hair was blood matted. Front teeth were missing. Both cheeks were slashed from the corners of the lips, almost to the ears. The liver hung out of the torso and the entire lower section of the body had been hacked 
gouged and unprintably desecrated. It showed sadism at its most frenzied. Jesus, what a tease. She is a tease because I'm going to tell you the stuff she didn't tell you. <laughs> Thanks, Aggie, for dumbing it down for everybody. We're going to we're going to get into what the police report says here. And actually, I got some visual aids if you guys want to see. Um, yes. Oh, I don't I don't know about that. You might get everybody horned up. They're teasing everybody with their <laughs> dangling like, liver. That I'm already there. That absolute harlot. I'll show you guys the scene. Then I'll go through what is said later. So here's a little picture of her. Ah, disgusting. Oh. Oh my oh, god. Jeez. Yeah. R- seriously, like right. Oh. Yeah. Richard, you gotta go slower. Cut open her breasts. Yeah. He definitely took a chunk of her breast on both sides, one side more than the other, but he took a chunk out of both of them. Oh, it just... that's inverted. It looks like yeah, out... it, it's it's muscle or whatever whatever you call that coming out of the tit. Fat. Yeah, I didn't want yeah, to say it. I don't I don't think you can call them tits right now, Richard. <laughs> This is the two detectives looking over the scene. Staring this... straight up her crotch. Awesome. Uh, there you go. You can see her face in this one. She was cut right both, right up the face. Like uh, they call that a Glasgow smile, apparently. Glasgow grin. Yeah, I didn't know that like they had pictures like this. Okay. Wow. Oh, they... geez. Just her vagina. They cool. cut They cut open her stomach, but nothing was missing or anything. Like it was really weird. He was just exploring. Why does she look so much shorter? Um, well, if you add the two halves together, I think she gets a little bit taller. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, like, the top half looks short, and so does the bottom half. Like, was she really short? Uh, she was five foot five, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, that's not that short. Yeah, it's right on the sidewalk. Like, look how close that is to the sidewalk. And they thought this was a mannequin? What kind of fucking mannequins did they have in the 1940s? Yeah, from far away. Because it's too far apart, and she's super pale, because there's no blood left in her. Yeah, I mean, like, t- to be fair, like, it probably wasn't, like, you know, you know, like, when, like, you're driving down the road, and it's, like, dark out, and there's, like, a plastic bag in the road, and it's, like, kind of, like, waving around, and you're, like, oh, it's a bag, and then your brain's, like, no, it's a cat, it's dying. Like, yeah, and then yeah, for you- sure. Your brain's not expecting that, so it's going to see what it wants to see until it gets close enough, right? Like, yeah, that happens to me all the time, like, Mirage or whatever, like, your yeah. brain sees what they are familiar with. That's why people like with alien encounters and shit, everyone says it's like fucked up to see aliens because you want it to be human, but it's not. So it like fucks with your mind. Right. Well, yeah. And they're not real. So that, come on. That helps with. Yeah. I don't know about that. I like look at things and I'm like, ooh, is that a body? Do I get to call the cops? And <laughs> I found a body? No, <laughs> see, fuck, that's not a body. <laughs> You're one of these tri- true crime people like me who thinks it's a body every time, too. <laughs> but I want it to be a body every time. That's what we call neuroatypical, guys. <laughs> This is what they put in the paper. This is what they actually found. This is the picture they put in the paper. It's a blanket covering it, and they covered up. The, oh, it's okay. not a real blanket. Like they fixed her face. Yeah, they fixed her face. Plus, it's not a real blanket. It's like photo. It's like early Photoshop. They kind of put a little thing over top that made it look like a blanket on the film, which I find amazing. Yeah, but look, she made it in the newspaper. She made it, Mom. She, she, I'm famous. She's infamous. She did it. That's the photos. Here's what comes out here. So when the police arrived, flies were buzzing around the lifeless five foot five, 115 pound Elizabeth. Elizabeth looked like a mannequin because she was in two parts and pale as a ghost. She was bisected at the waist, which was mentioned, but you need to understand to separate someone in the way the killer did, you would have needed very uh, specific surgery background to do it. The, the second and third vertebrae were cut cleanly through. Hmm. Not just like something an average Joe would have done. There would have been a lot more, a bigger hack job to get that done, but it was perfectly done. 
The cuts were surgical. None of the internal organs were harmed in the dissection process. They call the cuts on her mouth the Glasgow smile. I mentioned that earlier. Three inches towards her ear from her mouth on either side. Not only that, she had been beaten to a pulp. Her front teeth were missing, like Eleanor described. She had a bunch of bashes in the head, bruising all over the face. She had multiple lacerations to the mid forehead, the right forehead, and the top of the head at the midline. There were some lacerations of on the intestines and on both on the kidneys, which were out, by the way, they weren't in there, both intestines and her stomach and her kidneys were stuffed underneath her butt to keep her up a little bit as like a little, little pillow. Um, that's how, where the lacerations probably came from was pushing her intestines underneath her. Hmm. Her uterus was small and had no signs of pregnancy. No sperm was detected on or inside of Elizabeth. The lower abdomen area is cut open vertically, but nothing is missing or damaged. She was fully drained of blood, meaning she must have been killed somewhere else. One of her breasts has been cut apart and the tissue taken out of it, and the other was missing a chunk of skin completely. There was a chunk of skin from her knee that had been cut off and stuffed inside of her vagina, along with some grass. The knee skin that had been cut off had a tattoo of a rose. Oh. Oh, does it make sense now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. Get on my level. That uh, that chunk of knee was also stuffed into her vagina. Her vaginal and anal areas were mutilated, most likely after death. Her anus was dilated to a one and quarter inches. The neck, ankles, and wrists all had ligature marks as if she'd been bound. She was posed with her legs spread, her arms above her head at 90 degree angles pointing upwards. She smelt of gasoline as if she was doused to remove some evidence. There was evidence of her head getting smashed by some sort of blunt object. And that would mix with the facial lacerations was what killed her. There was an empty 50 pound bag of cement that was used to transfer the body parts from car to curbside. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, what? What killed her? The face scar, the cut from her, on her cheeks, her face lacerations, plus a couple bashes to the head. So what'd she die from? Blood loss? Blood loss and uh, what do you... With blunt force trauma? It's not blood force. Uh, hematoma or something in the brain? Subdural hematoma. Yeah. Oh. Yuck. That's a bad way to die. Not a good well, way I, to die. Well, I appreciate, um, you know, uh, all the uh, the details. Somehow I just feel like you could have been more detailed though, Richard. I haven't gotten to We're not done yet. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank God. Her vaginal area? Let me ask this. You got, you got her, her height and weight. Do we have... Do we have the individual halves, heights, and weights? Because that <laughs> are we are we that detailed? It it's actually comes into play. They think she's cut in half for a reason, uh, okay. and actually the heights and weights of that makes a huge difference. <laughs> well, I imagine she'd be cut in half for a reason. Mm-hmm. Don't imagine it's just like just cause. Well, there's some fucked up reason. Yeah, just I I don't know. It's how I killed today. Usually I shoot him in the head. Today I wanted a bicep. I don't know. Did they did they take your measurements? Her her bust, waist, and hips is like 34, <laughs> 0, 34. <laughs> uh, God, the mutilations happened postmortem. Oh yeah, her vaginal area had like it looked like they were like whipping her. They had X marks or something. They were doing something like that on her leg. She has a messed up. I don't even know. It's like someone took a scalpel or something and like sliced it like yeah that. i saw that yeah I, I don't really understand that doctor that's it for the description I, I think i got the most of it as i could dr frederick newbar the medical examiner at the time thinks she was likely her blood was likely drained 
in a bathtub somewhere because that would have been noticeable. Dr. Nuar also determined that she died about 10 hours before they found her. So either late night, January 14th or early morning, January 15th. She was nude and had no identification and therefore the police identified her as Jane Doe. Later, they later identified her using her fingerprints, comparing them to her juvenile drinking underage record. This was also a hard task for the police to accomplish. Uh, the LAPD at the time didn't have their own fingerprint analysts, so they had to send them off via airplane to Washington so the FBI could do it. That night in Washington, there was a massive snowstorm, and it was impossible to send anything via airplane, never mind fingerprints. The LA Examiner, though, they said, you know what? We have a, this new fancy machine. We call it a sound photo machine, which is basically an old school fax. And we can send off those fingerprints to the FBI headquarters for you guys. But they only uh, agreed to use this. The examiner's like, we can use this, but you have to keep us up to date with any developments on the case. Yeah, but how fucking shitty is a fax machine? Like, how could you possibly match fingerprints that way? It, it had never been used before in this capacity. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was groundbreaking idea at the time. They like blew it up huge, the fingerprint, and they sent it through the fax machine and they got a fingerprint match within 56 minutes of getting the prints. So it couldn't have been that hard. Worked pretty good. The LAPD didn't like the deal of the examiner, but they knew the examiner was going to do it, whatever they wanted anyway. They were going to, they're already there, took fucking close up pictures. What's the worst that could happen at this point? Detective Jack Donahoe, he was the head of the LAPD homicide division, was pissed about it, but he let it happen. In the early days of the investigation, Aggie Underwood named the killer the werewolf, but that didn't stick. About four or five days into the investigation, it got changed to the Black Dahlia because of apparently Elizabeth liked to wear black all over the place. That's what people would say about her. And there was a movie out at the time called The Blue Dahlia. Blue Dahlia is about a husband who comes back from war and is suspected of killing his wife after he finds out she'd been cheating on him while he was out in battle. So the implication is that she cheated on her husband. Red Manly, right? She was the cheater. She was the home wrecker. Home wrecker. That's the word. Two seasoned detectives from the LAPD took charge of the investigation, Harry Hansen and Finnis Brown. The detectives automatically thought this was no ordinary murder, no shit, but you would need, they are right away. They thought this has to be like some sort of surgeon or someone with a medical background. It can't just be like Joe Blow gangster. During the first 24 hours of the investigation, they started to look into would have had the skill set to pull off such a feat. Uh, the next day after that was found on January 16th, city councilman Lloyd G. Davis offered a $10,000 reward for information about Elizabeth Short. That's like fucking $120,000 in today money. So before the reward was offered, the case was already crazy enough. They had six suspects, I think. After the reward, the two seasoned detectives said they had to go over 150 people to interview just that first day. Uh, they got 500. Yeah, 500 confessions. <laughs> confessions confessions <laughs> yeah <laughs> the examiner broke the news to phoebe that elizabeth had died the newspaper called phoebe and instead of telling her that elizabeth had been murdered they told her that elizabeth won a beauty contest and all they needed was some background information on her so she should she could claim her prize <laughs> god damn <laughs> yep thank god for ethical journalism am i right guys <laughs> yeah for sure 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, after they got all the background information they wanted, the reporter just decided to tell Phoebe the truth. Psych! Uh, yeah, she was yeah. psych. Not a beauty See, contest. Did I say that's... beauty contest? I mean, best Joker contest. Yeah. Best looking body in the morgue. If if you guys are going to call the show uh, unethical, you, you need to start doing some really heinous shit. <laughs> but like, you know, like just like fucking putting people through traumatic, awful events like that. Like, where's that? We episode? brought you into this show. I think we're done. OK, well. <laughs> no, I mean, we traumatized you. That wasn't an insult. So. Oh, okay. I, thought I, I was I was the traumatized. You're a victim. One. Yes. You're a victim. OK, I'm, I've been traumatized. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, I will be suing for damages. Good luck. We don't make any money. <laughs> uh, the LA Examiner should have just called themselves unethical because that was terrible. The unethical examiner. Yeah. Yeah, so when they tell Phoebe, she doesn't accept it. She's like, you're lying, and then hangs up the phone. She didn't accept the truth until a Medford police officer had to come over and break the news to her. So I guess that deal with the examiner probably wasn't the best idea. I don't know. Uh, they were like, we "Well, do any harm? Look where they call her and fucking like, wow, terrible." You're gonna you're gonna tell me the LAPD fucked something up? <laughs> this is I refuse that. to believe that that this institution is... would ever goof that bad. In the '40s, come on, that's when they were at their straightest. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, there's a little bit of fuckery from the cops, but that's the media. That's fucking terrible. Um, no, no, but I mean, like, let's let's not disguise the fact that they were and always will be completely incompetent. Oh, they're they're abs- they're the worst for sure. They're terrible. <laughs> no, only thing worse than LAPD, Mounties. <laughs> not wrong. Nine days after the discovery of Elizabeth's mutilated and bisected body, an envelope was discovered at the LA Examiner's office. All it said was. Here is Dahlia's belongings. The envelope contained short social security card, birth certificate, some random photos, and an address book with a few missing ripped out pages, which also smelt of gasoline. Hey, did people like carry their social security cards around then? I would imagine a lot more would have because it was a different world back then. It's not like everything, you don't get a card, you know, like you don't, do you have a driver's license? Maybe. Right. Yeah, I well, know. I mean, I we do. We still get cards over here. Like, I don't know how you guys do it. If yeah, yeah, we get cards for sure. But I mean, like, what do you get in the 1947? I don't know. Like, do you just get your social security number? I don't know. They tattoo it inside of your upper arm. Yeah, yeah. but she's like yes. living uh, like on the fucking couch to couch. She just went like you know what I mean. She had all her possessions with her when oh, she called up Red. True. So she would be a more of an example to have her shit with her. Right. The letter. All the letters from the letter, like on the letter, were cutouts from movie advertisements and magazines. So it's like that classic fucking serial killer. I've got your buddy. This letter didn't really lead to anything, like any new leads or anything, uh, except for they knew whoever killed Elizabeth was willing to taunt the media. So they had that part of it. Uh, Two days after that, a handwritten note was sent to the offices of the LA Examiner. This note said, here it is, turning it in... Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun with the police, or had my fun at the police, Black Dahlia Avenger. And it also had a location where the police thought their uh, the killer would show to turn up at 10 a.m. on the next day. So they went there. They waited and waited. No one showed up. At 1 p.m. that same day on the 29th, when they were supposed to show up three hours after he shows to show up, Another note makes its way to the examiner, this time cut up from magazine clippings again. 
and it says, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia was justified. So square deal, that sounds like, did he already talk to someone? Yeah. Who did he talk to? Did he talk to some sort of police officer? You know, did he have some sort of in with the police? Also, like, what kind of deal were you looking for? Like, what? Exactly. <laughs> what do you think you're going to get the from that? You what does that mean? Yeah. They told me if I had done this, they'd arrest me. And that wasn't fair. <laughs> I don't know. This is the all like, they didn't really... I don't know. The cops didn't seem to do too, too much. Honestly, they didn't really get any more leads. The only other real lead the authorities ever got was at the dump. They found her purse and her shoes, which also smell like gasoline. None of which put the police any closer to finding the killer at all. Between January and the spring, there were many police officers looking into the murder of Elizabeth short over that short period of time, 400 state sheriff deputies, 200 and 250 California state patrol officers tried to solve the murder of this young lady. And over the past 75 years, it's probably the most famous cold case in Los Angeles history. 75 years. That's it. We can solve this. No problem. We got another half hour to get her done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it seems easy. Just talk about her uh, pussy scratches some more. I'm sure we'll find something to land on. <laughs> so the first theory we're going to go through today is unless you guys got any theories off the top. I'll hold mine for later. <laughs> to holding. Yeah, I don't think I have anything just yet. You know my theory. Yeah. So the first theory uh, that I'll go through right now is serial killer Ed Edwards killed the Black Dahlia. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of serial killer Ed Edwards. Edward Edwards, <laughs> which is his real name, which is fucking stupid. He's responsible for the Black Dahlia. He's also responsible for every other famous killing that's gone unsolved in America. All right. Uh, writer of It's Me, Edward Wayne Edwards, the serial killer you never heard of, and retired homicide detective John Cameron thinks Ed Edwards is the killer of not only Elizabeth Short, but also John Benet Ramsey, the Zodiac, Lacey Peterson, and Teresa Hallback, the lady that was murdered and making a murder. <laughs> uh, That's bullshit life. because we know that the dad did it in Ramsey's case. Isn't that right? Yeah. Nah. Brother. <laughs> Wait, uh, which which one was Teresa Hallback? Was she the that, first one or the second one? I believe it's the the fucking second one. If it's the second one, Stephen Avery definitely fucking killed that lady. But outside of that, yeah, just, it seems weird. Like she's the second you, one, yeah. Yeah, so like this dude just picked a bunch of like ones where it's like, no, they definitely got the right person. Oh <laughs> like yeah, it's, Scott Peterson, come the fuck on. <laughs> Oh, Lacey Peterson, for sure. There's so many. If Cameron's theories are even remotely true, Ed Edwards would have been 13 when he murdered Elizabeth. Like, he would have been a child. So, okay. I see no issues with that. Yeah. Well, that's why she was cut in two. She was easy to carry. (laughs) My little arms aren't strong enough to carry on this whole big lady. There's literally a six-part documentary called It Was Him, the many murders of Ed Edwards that goes through all of these fucking theories on Ed. Does this man actually exist though? What's or that? is this just like, did they just like pick? I mean, his name is Edward Edwards. Yeah. Is this uh, actually like a real person? Is, or yeah. is there's a doc, there's a podcast called The Clearing where his daughter actually uh, throws him under the bus for the murders of some five different people. She like, what's her name? Edward Edwards the third? No, it's uh, Jan- Janice Janison. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 
no, she, there's a whole podcast, like 10 episode series. And I never knew this guy. This guy was on two game shows. You know, there's the game show killer. This guy was on two different ones after he murdered someone. He was out of jail and he's like, I'm a reformed guy. And then murdered more. So this guy is real. There's footage of him and everything. He's, he's a real guy, but like he was convicted of killing five people, which is a lot. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's fucking shit tons. But the rest is all him. This John Edwards guy, or uh, what's his fucking name? <laughs> Edward, how could you fucking forget that? No, John Cameron, the 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 writer of the book. He was he was he was thinking of dead people and how to talk about them, and then he got confused with talking to them, so he (laughs) blamed it on John Edwards. Yeah, no, John Cameron, the detective, he just took all of this stuff from what Ed Edwards told him and wrote it down as if it was true. It's it's all sensationalization of himself. Ed wanted these things to be true. None of it makes fucking sense his daughter got him caught and he died in jail two years after uh, in 2001, after his, after he got caught of natural causes a month after he was sentenced to lethal injection. So he went through the whole trail and just fucking died. So Ed Edwards, nobody can fix, nobody can actually go grill him on it. He's dead, whatever. It's stupid, but it's there. Second theory, Orson Welles killed her. Mary Pacios, former neighbor of the Short family in Medford, wrote a book entitled Childhood Shadows, The Hidden Story of the Black Dahlia. And she suggests this very theory. She gets on this because a few references that comes from Wells' own biographies. There's a cutscene from the Orson Welles movie, The Lady from Shanghai, that has a mannequin cut in two parts with the same facial markings as Elizabeth. The scene didn't actually make the movie, it got cut out of the movie, but he talks about it in the thing. And she went, isn't that weird? That's like my friend I knew when I was a child. Okay. And then it starts, she starts grasping at more stuff. Like apparently one of the letters that Elizabeth wrote home to her older sister, Virginia, said that Wells was going to give her a screen test for his next movie. Maybe she did write that, but I'm telling you, Elizabeth probably lied about it. You know, she lied about a lot of shit. Okay. And then, so she starts looking into Wells a little bit. Pacios, Mary Pacios. Apparently, he applied for his passport on January 24th, 1947, the same day the package was mailed to the press with all of Elizabeth's stuff. And then Wells left LA for Europe mid edit of his new movie, Macbeth, which he directed and starred in. Uh, he went to Europe for 10 months, not completing his work on time, uh, even after the production company Republic Pictures demanded he come back and finish the job. Wells apparently frequented the same restaurants as Elizabeth. Uh, her friends that said that he was, uh, she was dating someone from Columbia Pictures at the time of her death, but they weren't sure who. So that sounds like another lie of Elizabeth's. I don't. I'm not doubt doubt that she said that, but was she dating someone like Orson Welles? Maybe. All of this sounds far fetched, like I said. But why? Why the fuck would Orson Welles even want to kill this lady? Pacquiao said that Wells had a volatile temperament, and maybe it was done in a fit of rage. He, he bisected her. Yeah, you ever just been so mad you you kind of like lose time and then like you drain all the blood out of whoever you're arguing with and you cut their face in two and cut them in half and strategically stage them in a field so that onlookers can find them the next morning. We've all been mad like that. I've been Wells mad. I've been Orson Wells mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's weird to me that she even came up with this, but I mean, the, it sold her some books. Uh, Orson Welles was never an official suspect ever, but Pacquiao's made her cash and ran with it just using the Orson name. All right. So that's that one. This is uh, another theory and I'm sorry, but it is one. Elizabeth was a lesbian 
and lesbians kill men. Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. This is a regular thought back in those days. Uh, there was a theory that Elizabeth had checked her baggage at the bus station a week before she went missing. And the only way she could live without her, her stuff would be if she was staying with another woman to give her the essentials. She couldn't just survive without her stuff as a woman. They, they say the reason she was bisected, like I said, she was smaller. So a woman could carry her. A woman can carry a full body. Oh, like that. Bi- bisected, bisexual. Bisexual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bisectional uh, one of the first women or one of the first people to confess to the murder was a wac or woman army corp sergeant it was found to be baseless but a queer female woman surgeon was on the list of suspects in the la district attorney files about the case also though in the same file there was a note for elizabeth uh, about elizabeth that quote uh, elizabeth had no use for queers so uh, I don't know why they even had the lesbian in there, but people looking at the list of suspects went, oh, it must be a lesbian. I don't know. It's it's like, it makes me think of like reefer madness, how like b- this is how people are when they smoke marijuana. <laughs> Women, lesbians just kill men. And that's just yeah, what they thought. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've seen that movie. That lady smokes pussy and then cuts herself <laughs> in half and leaves herself in a field. That, yeah. was, that one's called muff madness. I'm still confused about the argument. Of lesbians kill men. Yeah, that's what they thought. They're just like, it must be a lesbian. But this is what this is a woman. Sorry, I'm just I'm dumb. But yes, not that they kill men. She was flirting with guys all the time, even though she was a lesbian, and then a man killed her. I, I should have said kills men. I should have said uh, lesbians uh, is what I should have said. You're right. Oh well, yeah, I mean that's that's true. That's probably still true today. You think men hate lesbians? Oh, I think there's a large portion of the population that probably hates lesbians. Do you hate lesbians? No, okay. I had a I had a roommate who was gay though, and he hated anyone who was uh, bisexual because he said that that that's not real. Bisexual from a from a gay person, they said that. Yeah, that's very but, common, actually. Yeah, it, the one the one thing that's uh, really beautiful about the world is that in, intolerance knows no color or creed. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, if Chris Chan can hate people with Aspergers, the gays can mm-hmm. hate the bisexuals. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. so. Okay, and that's why most people hate white people. Mm-hmm. Not because the other fucked up shit that we do is intolerance, you know. Hold up, this is the first time hearing about this. I thought everybody loved us. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you white people, I think uh, need to be taken down a peg. I'm okay with it. We've had we've had a high peg for a while. <laughs> Take some yeah. down. High peg. I find it a bold statement that she has no use for queers. Many of the Hollywood elite are, in fact, closeted. Yeah, what? You don't want slaves? Come on, Elizabeth. Everybody's not where i was going with it but okay <laughs> that's just what the police said that's why i find it hilarious the cops are like they don't really know her and they just went she had no use for queer how do you know that somebody just said one time like while you're interviewing them that oh she didn't like the lesbians or something like what anyways it's random to me yeah so i shouldn't have said you're right duh uh elizabeth a lesbian and men hate lesbians is what i should have said not lesbians kill men i'm done so men kill lesbians yes men kill lesbians. So they was that was like the conclusion where it's just like men kill lesbians and they were just like ah fuck it pack pack it up go home we figured it out. Yeah, there's more to the men kill lesbians thing in a bit but I mean it's the lesbian killing a lesbian is what this one was. There's a lesbian surgeon who did this. Lesbian surgeon. Uh what do they say? Not lesbian surgeon. They wrote queer female 
uh, surgeon was on the list of suspects. Queer female surgeon. I'm sure there was lots of queer female surgeons. So, yeah, in the 40s. Yeah. yeah. Wait, was yeah. there a specific woman who was a queer female surgeon that they had on nope. the list, or did they just say it could have been a queer <laughs> yep. female surgeon? Oh, okay. yeah. I thought you meant there was an actual like yeah, me too. name. Yeah. <laughs> no, good. there was just there was just a woman. There's just po- probably someone out there who's queer woman and a surgeon. That's that is very funny because you know they would like name that like oh, it's probably a lesbian doctor person but then in like the same breath they'd be like no women can't be fucking doctors stupid yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no Ooh, that's good write that on the board yeah they were like think outside the box jim think outside the box queer doctor oh good one <laughs> all right so let's move on next theory here is robert red manley killed elizabeth some people like red for the murder still do um, not. It's not a huge camp for it, but there are people still do uh, detective Harry Hansen fucking did. Red was LAPD's first subject. Red was the Mary ginger guy. If you guys don't remember, he went, she went to San Francisco. Red was the last person to see her alive officially. Red was discharged from the military for mental illness in 1956 after red was claiming to hear voices he and his wife got back together, but they were very upset about the whole thing for a little while, but she did get kicked out for hearing voices. So Hanson interrogated Red thoroughly in the first few days after the murder. Red claims that he and Elizabeth weren't in a serious relationship. They were just friends. They didn't even have sex, but maybe they did. Uh, maybe Red killed her. Uh, took six days. He had, he had six days with her to like drain the body. There's a lot to him being suspicious, being the last guy, be, renting the hotel room for a bunch of days. And then she also told him that she was moving to Chicago, like the letter to the ex. I don't know. I just feel like Red didn't really do anything. Well, I mean, that's that's heavily dependent on what the voices said. I mean, because like if if the voices he heard were like, you know, like, ooh, someone's going to get you or something, whatever. But if they were like, okay, so first you hang her upside down and then cut the carotid artery and then place a button <laughs> on her. Then, yeah no there's that's one of the major reasons that he is even considered because he did have the mental illness to get kicked out of the army plus he had her for six days plus he would have a lot to hide because he's a married guy but there's just like there's not enough like hansen fucking gave him two polygraph tests passed them both and he had a fucking alibi for where he was i'm also curious what they considered mental illness though because they say hearing voices but it also could have been something just like i'm sad doctor and he's like what who's telling you that and he's like i don't know myself like (laughs) get the fuck out of here crazy yeah i guess you're right mental health isn't the same as it was now it is as it was back then so who the fuck knows honestly I don't think that holds water. He's not queer female or a surgeon. <laughs> hey, he's a ginger though. You don't know what those voices told him he was. And what he <laughs> yeah. You don't know what the voices were. Yeah. Just medical school lectures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also how to do, <laughs> uh, how to do tra- like trans surgery. <laughs> bottom surgery. What you, is it? Bottom surgery. Bottom. He was trying to so turn himself into a woman. And then also just by the very sheer fact of doing that, that does make him a surgeon. And then as long as he's crafted a vagina for himself and he did it himself, then he's a woman surgeon. And so also gay if queer? he still likes women, if there he still likes go. women. Yeah. 
yeah, he, he was dropped as a suspect early in the case, but people still, some people still call him out for it, even up all the way to his death in 1996. This one here is a fun one. This one I find uh, pretty funny. Theory that a guy named Norman Chandler killed Elizabeth Short. This theory is brought to you by a guy named Donald Wolf in his 2005 book, The Black Dahlia Files, The Mob, The Mogul, and The Murder That Transfi- Transfixed Hollywood, or Los Angeles, sorry. That's so many words. I know. I hate the fucking books like that. Just call it The Black Dahlia Files. We're fine with the rest of it. Norm Chandler was the publisher at the LA Times between the years 1945 and 1960. This theory is that Norman Chandler impregnated Elizabeth while she was working as a prostitute for the infamous Hollywood madam, Brenda Allen. Brenda Allen was a famous brothel owner and might get an episode of Unethical dedicated to her. I went into her. She is a little bit too much to get into now. Just know that she was a famous madam. So instead of having a kid with the hoary, I'm writing hoary in quotation marks, Elizabeth, Chandler gets his good buddy, Bugsy Siegel, the legendary mafia man, to uh, offer for him none of this fucking makes sense uh i don't know how many times i have to say this she was never fucking pregnant i'm gonna say it a bunch more times uh she wasn't a fucking call girl anyone who investigates this finds zero proof of either of these theories and if it was a hit for bugsy seagull why the fuck did he do all the mutilation like he's a mafia guy what's the point of the show you know fun gangster yeah i guess so but like why didn't bugsy seagull do that he killed like so many people why did he do that all the time just this lady you just you would have just shot her that would have been the end of it if that was true but she sucked so much or did you forget that (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) tortured her for days (laughs) well i mean she was really asking for it you know she was a tease yeah also what better way to throw people off your trail than just by like classically shooting them all and then just like doing the most heinous thing in the world one time to somebody. I guess. Like yeah, it, pro tip for serial killers. Switch it up. Yeah. Switch it up. <laughs> Vary the tactics. <laughs> yeah, well, I, hey, man, serial killers, the, pro, the reason they get caught is because they don't switch it up. So I think that's a real good pro tip. They just get worse <laughs> and worse with the same shit. So that's that one. This guy says that, yeah, Bugsy Siegel did it for a guy who got her pregnant. Okay. That's the theory, though. Next theory Joseph A. Dumas, 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 D-U-M-A-I-S, Dumas, Dumas. Anyways, uh, Joseph Dumas was a 29-year-old soldier who confessed to the crime early on in the investigation. When he first confessed, the story was huge. It was like finally a big fucking break to this, and it was on the front page of the LA Times. And this is the only time ever the LA Examiner had her on the front page a bunch. The LA Times, this is the only time she was ever on the cover, ever. After a bit of investigation... His confession was considered a lie because he was later found out that he was stationed at Fort Dix on January 15th. So where Fort Dix for real. It was also found out that uh, he was not a queer surgeon. Correct. Was he a female? Mm, He a female. I don't know. We didn't get a chance to ask him before he died. Yeah. You're assuming his pronouns. You don't know. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to ask for <laughs> the he, death of that person. It doesn't give you the right to fucking assume just because you didn't get to ask. I, I, the thing that's the most interesting about this guy to me is that he claimed it even past the cops were like, you're not the guy. We know you're not the guy. He's like, I'm totally the guy all the way till he died. His whole life, he was like, I killed Elizabeth Short. And everyone's like, just shut up, man. You didn't do that's it. That's so did weird. It. Like, it was yeah. for sure me. Yeah, exactly. His whole life. So I find that interesting of a whole thing. Yeah, but you think someone that crazy would just, like, 
kill someone else if he really wanted the fame. Yeah, for sure. Well, just go kill. Yeah, exactly. If that's what you wanted, go fucking black dahlia somebody else. You'll get it. Oh, I don't know. When you hit a masterpiece the first time. Well, like, what if like, what if like he he did kill her, but like someone else did everything else? Like they just like found her body in the trash, and we're like, ooh, a toy. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I can. Where, where is Fort Dix? How far away? Right here. Yeah. Right now. Bud. This is Fort Dix. Dix is with an X, D-I-X. So it looks like New Jersey. Yeah, he's far out. Like, uh, I forget what they said, but it was far enough you could never make it there and back. Well, unless that was the same year that the military figured out time travel. That's true. They used the time travel on some fucking weirdo to go kill a girl in Hollywood, I'm sure. Yeah, that's the and, and I think I think that completes my theory. I think I got one. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next theory. Jack Anderson Wilson. John Gilmore in his book Severed, the true story of the Black Dahlia, suggests that a guy named Jack Anderson Wilson killed the poor Elizabeth. And I don't mean poor because she's dead and I feel bad for her. I mean legit poor because she didn't work. Wow, shots fired. (laughs) Fuck Elizabeth, she bugs me. I feel bad that she got murdered, but I mean, her person, my God. What a person. What I'm hearing is you. she deserved every second of it. Just some of it. Signed Richard Uh, Stoodle. Which parts? Getting called a tease on the newspaper. (laughs) just that (laughs) Wilson was a drunk and petty criminal that Gilmore accuses of killing Elizabeth Wilson died in a fire on February 4th 1984 Uh, the FBI and investigating officers don't believe that Wilson did it but since it was convenient that he died the police never got to interview Wilson or even followed up on this but this whole book severed a true story of black dahlia is like referenced by so many people as being the most accurate thing but i can't figure out where the connection is in this i guess i have to read it but i'm not doing that there's so many books i would have had to read like 20 books but this guy just seemed to me just had a rap sheet for like breaking and entering and arson like you don't go to that to bisecting someone that's too far can i ask you just like a really quick question are any of these people actually a surgeon like even one of these theories exactly not uh in one of these in two of these theories sorry three of these theories like i said they have a surgeon element to the thing so it makes more sense another theory that i found was fun was and i don't really these are connected this is connected somehow to the cleveland torso murders have you ever heard this mm-hmm. a little brief for people who don't uh, between 1934 and 1938 at least 13 people were killed and surgically dismembered in and around cleveland uh, I'm going to do an episode on this eventually because it's super interesting. I almost got sucked into that. I was like, I got to stop. I got to look into this. But some people say these two cases intersect for a bunch of reasons. First off being that uh, Elizabeth was bisected. These other torso murders, same thing, chopped up into bits and pieces, left in posing manners. The cleanliness of Elizabeth is reminiscent of the Cleveland torsos. All the Cleveland torsos were all cleaned up, uh, kind of like she was. The way, but they say in this thing, in this theory too, they're saying that her hair was all brushed mm-hmm. like the Cleveland torso murders, but her hair was matted with blood and stuff like that. So that doesn't really match. That's just a leap someone made. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as we were looking at those pictures, I mean, uh, one thing that struck me uh, as I gazed into uh, the middle of her abdomen was, wow, I've never seen something so clean. Everything about this is well, so If you think about clean. it, it really is for a murder scene right it's just not bloody but there's no like she's not even dirt on her she's not like she was dragged through she looks like someone wiped down her body she looks like clean there was literally grass in her vagina yeah 
that i honestly that i believe is from stuffing the shit in there like i think he did that at the scene i think he took the little chunk of meat and shoved it in her there oh i'm sorry i've never had grass in my vagina and yet you're applying that you're implying that she's somehow cleaner now now in the event that that did happen celeste would you would you be walking around with the grass and and thinking my god i'm so clean right now i can't say that i would rj okay well as someone who currently has grass in his asshole right now i cannot wait till this is over so i can clean it out <laughs> my question is have you ever had a chunk of your knee cut off and shoved into your vagina by a killer um oh by a killer no yeah no, I... <laughs> uh you never been bored on a saturday richard you never wanted to hide a tattoo i'm gonna find it up there I don't, I don't know about the cleaning part. They say she was clean. I don't know about that whole thing. Her blood was matted with hair. Sure. The suspected weapon in both cases is a butcher's knife. And I'm like, okay, the, there's fucking, sure, there's butcher knives everywhere, though. Like, that's an easy assumption to make. It's not a very specific tool when you say a butcher's knife. I'm sorry. I'm not going with that one either. When you're butchering someone, all knives are butcher's knives. Exactly. Boom. Mic drop. I don't know about a paring knife, though. I feel like you're not going to make much headway there. So the only reason I don't think it was the same person as the Cleveland tor torso murder is just because like there wasn't another one. Like it feels weird that after that much hype, they just stop at the Black Dahlia. Like they have someone that they think it was that died in, for the Cleveland torso murder. So I also thought like, oh, the timing was weird right before World War II. Uh, could have gone to war, come back and been in... Hmm. Californian, sure that shit could happen, but I'm I'm with Rick on that because I I think that if you're well for nothing less than the fact that it's the Cleveland torso murder and this everyone knows if you're born in Cleveland you'll be dying in Cleveland you're not getting out. One more thing that's similar is the Cleveland torso murders victims had uh, abrasions around the wrist, neck, and ankles, just like Elizabeth. That could be anyone who's getting torn. All these things, you're just jump taking a jump, a leap, a leap in logic, so you it fits your narrative. But Elliot Ness, this is the reason I got I got into this. Elliot Ness, the Untouchables guy, like the famous guy who took down fucking Al Capone, he was investigating the Cleveland torso murders, and he thought the two cases were intertwined. So Al Capone committed all of them. That makes sense. Hey, anything to get him arrested. Yeah, let's arrest that guy. Yeah, he's like, they're going to call me Scarface. I'll show him a Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> she did say that she was dating a Hollywood guy. Just saying. Yeah, there's all sorts of who she was dating. She's dating everybody. I think we just determined who she was dating, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so Elliot S., he said he had a suspect that he was dying, but he died looking into it and he never told anybody his suspect. He said, I know someone I they're good for it. I just got to be able to prove it. But he died. Oh, my God. Don't you hate it when somebody at work just like holds on to how they do their job because of like job security or whatever? Like they're worried mm -hmm. that they're not good enough and then they'll get fired. That sounds like what Elliot Ness was. He was an old man. This was like his retirement job looking into this. No, only only I can do this 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 way because uh, I just know I just know it really good. So like you work on something else. You look at all of these murders. <laughs> Let's work on those. I'll, I'll be on this one. It's just hard. You know, and I've been here a long time. I don't like that he didn't tell anybody or at least leave a note. You know, like if you don't want to say anything, fine. Just leave it in your will or something, my guy. And then somebody else can pick up where you left off. I think his will was busy. It was like, I am DB Cooper. <laughs> Are they connected? I'm going to go with no. But it's interesting that Elliot Ness, somebody who looked into it a lot, thought that was the case. 
Now, this guy here, the next guy, I thought this was a wackadoo one until I read, it more, read more into it. I think this is the one I'm going to say wrap up. I'm pretty sure this is the guy. A guy named Walter Bailey. Dr. Walter Al Alonzo Bailey was a 67-year-old surgeon that lived only blocks from where Elizabeth's body was found. Elizabeth's older sister, Virginia, was friends with Bailey's daughter. Virginia was the maid of honor at Bailey's daughter's wedding. Bailey had been getting older uh, and he was starting to suffer from a degenerative brain disease. This brain disease was known to cause sudden violent outbursts. Bailey and his wife recently divorced in 1946 because Bailey was having a relationship with a female physician he worked with, Alexandra Partika. Partika? Uh, he and Partika had more in common, I guess. Everyone in the family was shocked because it was a weird shift in behavior. He would have never done that, but then it's all of a sudden came out and did it. Bailey's secretary said that he and Partika would take their dinner out and they would go into their little medical office and watch surgery videos and eat their supper together. Aww. Yeah, it's a weird, disgusting thing to do. I need that in my life. After his autopsy, after Bailey died, he died in 48. Bailey was diagnosed with, a potentially, uh, with potentially having a mental condition called frontotemporal dementia. Uh, he had a lesion on his brain that matches up with the frontal temporal dementia. With this type of dementia, the drive for violence and sexuality can come up and get worse and worse, but it wouldn't really affect his sensory or motor skills. So he could still perform surgeries. Later on, the mistress claimed she knew, quote, a terrible secret about Bailey. And by keeping the secret, she got to be a big part of his will. Larry Harnish, writer for the LA Times, dug his feet into the Black Dahlia mystery in 1996. After all of his research, Harnish thought Bailey could be the killer, even with the brain deterioration and the fact that he was old. The old thing only comes up because it's the same reasoning as they said with a woman. He wouldn't be able to carry them. He's 67. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, what a combo. Well, that's why, he, yeah, that's why he cut her in half. Yeah. Dude, I, had to, I had to stop my grandmother and I couldn't. I couldn't stop her. She's a seven-year-old woman. I was bringing furniture in her house and she was carrying a fucking kitchen table over her head through the, <laughs> through the front door and i was like grandma stop and she's like i got it that lady easily could have carried two halves of a woman at the same time yeah but your grandma's from now 90, uh, 70 year old have you ever watched like the golden girls they're like 50 in that show i'm just saying like you grew older like, quicker back in those days i think yeah. i don't know though i'm just saying 67 is not that old you could fucking probably but maybe maybe that's why i needed to do it no that's that's some bullshit yeah i i don't 67 funny. come on that's uh, that, okay so like even if it was in half what would that be like 57 pounds per half exactly of let's, a lady let's assume it's half the weight yeah 60 pounds but when yeah. you're it's like dead weight too right so it's harder it's different it's not like a <laughs> box of stuff you can no, lift i up. mean like so like if i'm like if i'm like carrying like a, a lower half i'm gonna put like one leg over each shoulder you know what i mean <laughs> like, see <laughs> i honestly find it more of a pain to have to carry two things in to the to the crime scene it's like when you get groceries, like arm? just What's the issue? stuff it all into one bag or like you know as many is I fit on my arms, so I have to make less trips. If you're committing a crime, you're not trying to make more than one trip. Put the legs over your shoulders, all right? And then, like, you take, like, her, her arms, like her lower half, and you just kind of, like, wrap those around your waist like a sweatshirt, and then, bam, you're cooking. He's got, a like, degenerative brain disease that's supposed to increase your lust for violence and sex. Yeah. 
Okay. And, but he's still performing surgery. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Two things. One, um, he didn't have sex with her. Two, isn't it far more likely that the secret she was hiding was that he was like fucking people? Well, he didn't have sex with her in the traditional way, but you know, he stuffed his meat in her. Excuse me, what? <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that what happened? <laughs> he stuffed That's some how the grass in got in there. He stuffed some yeah. meat in her, yeah, for sure. So she's the queer. <laughs> no, my question is, isn't the secret far more likely that he was having sex with patients on the operating table? I'm just saying. Yeah, but maybe it was consensual. No, no. I mean, it could be like, I mean, I imagine he was probably like cutting into an arm and got like really hard with that brain disease. Surprise. The problem is there's a bunch of problems with this. Okay. So frontal temporal dementia is just a guess. This is after they did a uh, autopsy on him. They saw that he had this deterioration in his brain. They're just guessing that he could have had that. It might've been fucking with him even more in different ways. So why was he considered in the first place? He died like a year later, right? The big secret his mistress had been keeping uh, was theorized that it wasn't the murder of Elizabeth. It was that he was performing illegal abortions on the side and wasn't telling anyone. And the mistress knew and just didn't say anything. Oh, uh, he was the hero. For money? For money, yeah, probably. Yeah, so like good-ish guy. Yeah, none of this has been proven by anyone, murder, abortion, anything. So the main piece of evidence here is that the family connection between Bailey's daughter and Elizabeth's sister, the fact that he was a surgeon and in close proximity to Elizabeth's body to his ex-wife's house. Like literally her house was a five minute walk away from where they found her body. Who's the closest surgeon? Yeah, and here's here's the, the biggest kicker for me. If that doesn't convince you, John Douglas was consulted by our researcher Harnish. John Douglas, the, the mine hunter guy, creator of criminal profiling and the first guy to ever say the word serial killer, coined that Unsub. term. Unsub. Unsub. Douglas yeah. uh, did a full profile on the Black Dahlia and some of the stuff matched up with the police already thought. So like I said, the place was close. The place could have meant something to the killer, i.e. close to his house. The most interesting part of the profile was this. Douglas let Harnish's theory get a little pulse when the fact that Elizabeth used to tell lies, the one about her son dying specifically, okay? Dr. Bailey in 1920 had an 11-year-old son and he got actually got hit by a car and died. And the fact that he must, he's not just a regular guy. So if he would have told her that story, he since he was a doctor, Douglas said, maybe he would have said, oh, how did he die? I also had a son that died. And when she couldn't sufficiently answer the question, this would have sent him off the deep end, especially if he did have the frontal temporal dementia. He would have set him off into a fucking rage, killed her. Personal vendetta is what he, the, John Douglas said. So this would have probably been the personal vendetta. And the fact that she was lying would have been the reason he would have given the Glasgow smile. Oh, you use your mouth like fucking liar, you know? I don't think John Douglas fully endorsed this theory about Dr. Bailey right now, but to me, it's like the closest one. It makes the most sense. Like, fuck, man. He knew the victim. He lived close by to her or to where her body was found. And he had a brain fuck mental disease and died a year later from that same fucking mental shit. And yeah, his mistress had a big secret. It, a lot of that fits in. It's just nothing can really stick on that. You know, there's nothing, no hard evidence on that. Any thoughts on this fucking guy, Dr. Bailey? Well, my first thought is how long has she been telling this lie? And this is the first person to say, oh, how'd he die? No, but he would, she would have been, she would have been a doctor. So he could have asked like legit questions. Oh, did he have like whatever doctor thing? And then when she couldn't answer it, a bunch of people, like you can lie to a shit ton of people. And then eventually one person's going to catch you. I feel like I would need to know more about the guy 
because if it were just like violence and sexual acts, it doesn't really make sense why he went fucking crazy and did everything with the body. Apparently he was a weird person too. Like uh, the secretary, she said after he started his personality changed, he became like, like watching those surgery uh, films was really weird. It wasn't normal. He didn't do that before. So maybe he was just like getting all this shit in his mind. It just snapped on him. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's apparently yeah, just like, I mean, cause it, it, why do we have to think just because somebody kills somebody like one time like that, they have to do it again. You know what I mean? Like, well, he died a year later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm not, I'm not saying he has to do it again. I just think it's weird that like, there's no proof of violence for him. And usually with dementia, it's not like, be all end all you're a different person it's like you fade in and out well i mean like maybe it's not like defined as violence but like surgery is so hardcore gory like i mean he was probably getting his kicks with that for some time and then maybe it wasn't enough he was like no i gotta i gotta pose one of these motherfuckers i don't know why he'd be invested in her enough to do that seems personal or anti-personal what if somebody killed her and dropped it near his house to be like, yo, stop aborting babies. <laughs> because they stuffed meat inside her. No, it's true. That's a that's a good way It's like, out. yo, motherfucker, stop aborting babies. He dies a year later because he's so scared. Hey, man, I didn't even think of that possibility, but you're right. There's weirdness to the way. Like, they cut open the stomach area and did nothing. Yeah. Because if he, if he was aborting babies, why would he be against it all these years later? Like, one year before death. Oh, that's true. Maybe if he was crazy, maybe... They didn't do anything inside of her, so she didn't have an abortion, right? Yeah, no. Hmm. No, her, her uterus and everything was a normal, small size for her age. Like, no evidence of ever being pregnant. Oh, maybe maybe he went crazy and, like, got, like, addicted to the abortion. <laughs> and then, like, found her and then was like, come here, bitch. And then, like, held her down and tried to give her an abortion. But, like, there's no baby. So he just kept cutting, trying to find it. Like, oh, maybe it's up higher this time fuck i can't see it all right here and just cuts her in half and is like peering inside maybe, maybe. no does that not have legs okay that was funny rj i'm sorry no one else acknowledged but that was funny. thank you you're welcome <laughs> thank you. you're funny rj okay we, you're, oh, we get it oh all right wow cool yeah you're smart rick we get it you're gonna figure this whole fucking thing out if that's how we're gonna do that's the only way i'm gonna address you now okay you mean okay <laughs> oh I'm sorry, you opened the door on that. You should. It's fine. He can have it. <laughs> sorry, Rick. Here. Do you want me to compliment you too? The next guy. This one's a funny one to me. I probably should have put this a little higher. Guy named George Knowlton. Now Janice Knowlton thinks her father George Knowlton killed Elizabeth Short. Janice, who was a professional singer and public relations firm owner, says that when she was ten years old, she saw her father beat Elizabeth to death with a claw hammer. According to Janice, Aunt Betty, as she called her, lived in a makeshift bedroom in their family's garage. Her father, George, had been having an affair with Elizabeth, and she was pregnant with his kid. She miscarries. He loses his mind and kills her with a hammer. She sure knows an awful lot for a five-year-old. Ten-year-old, Of yeah. her father's... Oh, sorry. Even so, of her father's personal goings-on. Oh, for sure. Oh, the, listen to this. Then Janice is forced to follow her father on a mission to get rid of the body. They first stopped at Seal Peach Pier, but the body didn't sink. So they had to go back in and grab it. That seems bullshit. One piece would be smaller than the other for her to carry. <laughs> That's why they need to mm -hmm. cut them up because mm -hmm. the kid's carrying them. 
Yeah, but like why split it into even? That's not an even sized at all. Like you let her carry the head and then you carry the rest of it. Exactly. Uh, so instead of getting the pier because it didn't sink, they just decided, you know what? Empty lot near houses. That's the better option. There's only two pieces of circumstantial evidence that even come close to supporting this. Uh, an early police report says they were looking for a man named George who drove a tan sedan. Her, dra- her dad drove a tan LaSalle. Uh, and an actor named Ted Driscoll, who is now dead, by the way, said that he dated one of Elizabeth's roommates. And when he was visiting his girlfriend, he met a guy named George that had a lot in common with her dad, like deer hunting and talking a lot. <laughs> you know, hobbies. That's what I mean. It's just like, <laughs> and this lady wrote a book about this, man. There's a bunch of fucking problems with this theory. Elizabeth's never pregnant. That's the first one. Uh, let's pretend she was, though. Let's do that for a minute, okay? Janet remembered all this stuff after her mother and stepmother died in late 1980. So all of her parents were dead. Repressed memories start coming to the surface. Uh, she starts remembering stuff with her therapist, like her father molesting her, her father murdering a baby and bisecting that, and burying a woman in their own basement at home. She also remembered the whole Elizabeth thing. Janice was so convinced, she wrote the book about the whole thing. Daddy was, it's called Daddy Was the Black Dahlia uh, Killer. Not even joking. Uh, she gets mm, nuance and subtlety. Yeah, I like she it. gets spots of daytime television. Like, I, I didn't write them down. I think Montel was one of them. Anyways, uh, she gets a, nice. she gets the cops interested enough to go search her father's property. The cops comb down the property, rip it all apart, find nothing. And the story faded from popularity. After her death of an accidental overdose, her family said that all her stories and the novel really put strain on the family. No shit. Uh, all of it was untrue. Her father was a nice man and never did anything like that to anyone. He was he was known to be stern and ornery, but never violent. Uh, I just think this is a very sick lady who's probably mad at her dad for something or extremely mentally ill. <laughs> so that that happened. A whole book happened out of that. <laughs> or it all happened. And uh, she's just confused because it's, you know, I mean, it's the 40s. Nobody's a good person. He just killed a different Elizabeth. And that one just didn't get as much coverage. <laughs> yeah, she should, they just went wrong Elizabeth and threw the skull back into the hole at the property. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this isn't her. Come on. <laughs> There's no ro- rose tattoo stuffed in her lifeless vagina. This isn't her. What, does a baby skeleton? That doesn't make headlines. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, so that one's done. So the last, actually, I forgot about that one. There's Mark Hansen and one more guy. And these guys are... The other two big boys that people believe a lot. So Mark Hansen was the owner of the Florentine Gardens, the nightclub uh, that was in front of where Elizabeth lived. Mark Hansen was also a huge fan of Elizabeth. Elizabeth had stayed at his house many times in the few months before her murder. She apparently rejected many of his sexual advances, enough for the police to look into him. Hansen also spoke with her on the phone on January 8th, making him one of the last people to speak with Elizabeth. When the police questioned Hansen about the conversation uh, a couple different times, both different times he had different versions of what happened during that conversation. I couldn't figure out what his two lies were, but he said two different things, apparently. The LAPD thought Elizabeth was rejecting his advances because she was a secret lesbian and she was using her sexuality to get men to buy her way into clubs and suppers and stuff. This is likely also where the call girl thing came into place I, i'm guessing they just the lapd just said she's a fucking hooker they just threw everything in there lesbian sex worker uh tease they just threw that all at once at the end of the day it was her fault regardless exactly that's that's exactly what they did 
there's also a camp that Hanson and Elizabeth were actually involved with each other. The package that was sent to the LA Examiner with her birth certificate, social security, also included the gold embossed address book with his name on the front. So the book that was there actually said Mark Hansen on the front. Mark Hansen wasn't known for violence or being a very good doctor. He wasn't a doctor at all. Uh, but Hansen was friends with a violent doctor named Patrick S. O'Reilly. Apparently Hansen in his club, they had these fucking elaborate parties. They called them elaborate parties, but they were sex parties. Uh, big fucking orgies. And apparently Patrick O'Reilly used to go to Hanson's little orgies. And they're buddies after that. That's where I meet all my bros at the sex orgies. You know, that's where I meet all my cool friends. Where else do you meet a man named Patty O'Reilly? Uh, Ireland. Yeah. Or or a bar in the Irish part of town slowly <laughs> dying of liver failure because he's there every fucking night. If Elizabeth Hanson had went to one of those sex parties with O'Reilly, maybe something bad happened there. Hanson was rich and he could make a problem like that go away. Hanson supposedly had the police and organized crime working for him. The gangsters also were supposedly attending his elaborate parties. I've seen accounts that Detective Finnis Brown helped cover up the crime for Hanson, but no real evidence to that. That's just somebody fucking saying that. Hanson was the prime suspect until at least 1951 and was never charged with anything. And in 1964, he dies of natural causes. He had no evidence of violent tendencies and was never in trouble with the law in any significant way. But that could just be because he had the cops in his pockets. This theory is like a sub theory. This part is like a sub theory of this. So Hanson just did it himself with Patrick O'Reilly or theory, Leslie, Dwayne, Dillon and Mark Hanson and maybe a guy named Jeff all did it together. Fucking Jeff. Yeah, fucking Jeff. Hanson was also friends with a former mortician's assistant named Leslie Dillon. Although Mark Hansen didn't have the skill set required to bisect anyone, Leslie would have. Leslie was a bellhop at his place also. Leslie actually was actually the prime suspect in the murder of Elizabeth for a long time as well. But he would have done the killing at the behest of Mr. Hansen. Same MO as above with Hansen, except Dylan did the deed for him instead of O'Reilly. Apparently, Dylan knew a lot about the murder that police weren't letting out into the public when they questioned him. Like... The police, the fact that the police think that Elizabeth was murdered at a place called the Astor Motel. Uh, the Astor Motel owners, Harry and Clara Hoffman, admitted that on January 15th, they found a room that was filled with blood and feces. Other witnesses that stayed at the hotel that same day claimed to have seen a woman with dark hair that fit Elizabeth's description and a man that fit Hanson's description staying in that very room. Dylan was almost arrested after he sent a letter to the LAPD psychiatrist suggesting that a friend named Jeff Connors may have killed Elizabeth. Jeff killed her as a revenge for threatening to reveal an affair not considered proper by the average person. Jeff Connors was found but gave a much different account as much as he didn't even know Elizabeth or what he was talking about. Police didn't think Jeff Connors existed. They just think that it was Dylan pretending to be someone else. Either way, uh, was the revenge Dylan was talking about a parent pregnancy with Mark Hansen? Autopsy says no pregnancy. Remember, if not the pregnancy, Dylan's second reason for the murder was that Elizabeth was involved with a gang that was robbing motels. Now, did she threaten to expose these gangsters fucking robbing these hotels? Did she just tell the wrong person? The police let him off the hook because Finnis was in his pocket, Hansen's pocket, and... They just never got caught. She just got killed for doing that. I don't know. None of these three guys were ever arrested. But one weird thing about Leslie Dillon is that a few years later, he named his first daughter Elizabeth. 
So they take that as like a, I killed that bitch. Now I named a new one. <laughs> Mark Hansen seems like he could be a guy to get away with this because he's a rich guy in LA with the same fucking all these people. But, but yeah. So what do you guys think about Hansen? Nothing. I I think he's likely because he has money, but that's about it. I've already formed my uh, theory. Okay, perfect. So last one is Dr. George Hodel Jr. I thought when I went into this, I was like, this is the guy. But this, uh, so Dr. Hodel got on the police radar in 1949 after his 14-year-old daughter, Tamar, accused him of molesting her. How does that connect? After, here's, here's something that you guys are like. After three witnesses testified that they had seen Dr. Hodel molest his daughter, Hodel was acquitted. The court was like, nah, you know what? witnesses smitnesses you can go free dr hodel during the case a grand jury heard the testimony from lillian dodorak who lived with hodel she ascertained that the doctor had regularly been seen at the biltmore hotel last place elizabeth was seen dodorak also testified that she had seen hodel with elizabeth just days prior to them finding her body so that stuff got, got her on the radar, but just so you guys know, later in life, she was committed to the state mental institution for being a crazy person. I don't know what that means either. It's the same thing as the other person. So maybe she was a sane person, maybe not. People don't take her, her whatever she said credibly though, because she was in a mental institution later on. So don't don't believe women signed Richard Stoodle. No, I'm just telling you what people say. I say believe her because I like- No, I heard what okay, you said. Cool. Yeah, I signed it. But yeah, this this uh, whole thing with Elizabeth being seen with him in 1949 at, at the trial got the police's ears up. So they actually bugged Hodel's home. Some of the recordings are very suggestive, but nothing's like a smoking gun. But he did say in the recordings, quote, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead now. So everyone went, what? And the secretary Dr. Hodel is talking about is a lady named Ruth Spaulding. She died of an overdose in 1945, and the police suspected Hodel of killing her at that time. Couldn't prove anything. She was found near a bunch of burnt papers of hers that were later discovered to be evidence that Dr. Hodel was giving false diagnoses, diagnoses and charging people extra. Like, he was just fraud. Hmm. Hodel suspected him killed her because she was about to bring all this shit to the police. He was also an abortionist during the time. But he he was a doctor for venereal disease. He used to do like, anyways. But he was into art, which is, this is the interesting part with this guy. He was into surreal art. A guy named Man Ray uh, was one of his buddies. Was, uh, people think that uh, Hodel posed Elizabeth's body in a manner of a surreal art piece only meant for his surreal artist friend, Man Ray. Man Ray apparently was their family photographer. Man Ray is somewhat famous in the art world, especially the surrealist art movement stuff. If you look at the, his art piece, The Minotaur, you can see why positioning the Black Dahlia would be similar to something Man Ray would make. So if you look up Minotaur Man Ray, you'll see a photo of a lady, their breasts and like her stomach, and it kind of looks like a Minotaur. And this is how like Elizabeth Smart's posed. I don't know. A lot of fine art people see the murders, like the photos, and they go like, yeah, this is supposed to be surreal art. This is someone trying to like, put us into a surreal mindset apparently george hodel wanted to be an artist he just he had the different brain he had the doctor brain he didn't have the artist brain so was he trying to like out surreal the surrealist guy like was he just making this art piece was this an art piece retired lapd detective steve hodel son of george hodel dr george hodel believes his father was the killer of the black dahlia 
Now he looked into his father for years, uh, even into his retirement past his working years. He wrote a book on the subject, black Dolly adventure, a genius for murder. When his dad died, Steve got into one of his old photo albums. Steve thought that there were, there was a bunch of photos of like family and random people, but there was two photos that looked like Elizabeth short. And he starts to go, what my Elizabeth short with my dad. What does this mean? And then he goes to look at the list of suspects for the Black Dahlia and he sees his dad was actually on the original list of 22 suspects for the Black Dahlia. He goes down lots of rabbit holes, Steve Hodel does, uh, especially the 1949 grand jury hearings with the recordings that the police made. Then he starts finding stuff that could be evidence if his assumptions are correct. Like he got like this, okay, he got a letter from some guy named W. Glenn Martin. He W. Glenn Martin was a police informant. Uh, he found a letter that says that G.H. is the killer of Black Dahlia and the other lady who died a few years later, Louis Springer, a 28-year-old who was strangled to death. Steve Hodell's knows for a fact that G.H. stands for George Hodell. Why? I don't know. He just makes that gigantor jump of an assumption. Police informants, I get it. Like, you kind of try to be a coding because you're trying to talk to your police officers without getting busted. But, like, Steve Hodell, super, like, sure of it. Like, like I said, he was on the police radar that gave him the big clue that, it, but like that was with 21 other people. It could be a fucking any one of those 21 people or more or different, anybody else. Steve Hodel does this a lot. I could go through like all the evidence I could find, but it's always like this GH thing. It's always like make a giant assumption. And then my dad did it. GH could mean anything, but the biggest piece of evidence towards Dr. George Hodel for me is two things. First Hodel leaves America to go live in the Philippines and starts a new family in 1950 and stays there for 40 years. Maybe he didn't stop and he went over to the Philippines and started killing people over in a poor country. They, they definitely say that. And then the podcast, Root of Evil, made by the Hodel's surviving family, they make this guy look for sure like he could be the Black Dahlia killer. That's why I got into that. When I got into this, I was like, George Hodel's the guy for sure after listening to that podcast. Now that I've read a bunch, I'm like, I don't know, fucking Steve Hodel makes a bunch of jumps, but the whole family's part of the podcast, including Steve Hodel. Just here's one more little bit for you guys. Steve Hodel thinks his dad was actually the Zodiac and also the lipstick killer. Uh, he thinks his dad used to come back to America every once in a while, commit a murder, and then go back to the Philippines. This is why this guy lost all credibility. He said a bunch of dumb shit. Otherwise, the stuff would have kind of like fit in, but it doesn't. Someone might have daddy issues. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. But this guy's a piece of shit. He's a horrible trash bag of a human if you and the podcast root of evil is amazing i i binge it in two days it's really good well, a long time ago it came out in 2019 or something but it's really good and it it made me think hodel was the guy but like i haven't read this much into it until now so i don't know now i think it's still dr bailey that's my opinion thoughts so far and then you guys can fucking rip this chain apart pun intended pun intended asking carefully bisect this thing apart and then pose it mm-hmm. not to show you how to do your job but i already got this it's fine. All right. I like it. Oh, all right. So it's a contest between you and Rick. He looks like he's also chomping at the bit. Yes, we'll see. I would say ladies first, but that's an old 1940s concept. Yeah. Let's let Rick go first. Let Rick go first. Yeah, let's I let me bring pee, it home so. on this one. Yeah. Go ahead, Rick. I'm going to go with the Joseph Dumay guy was sent back in time by the military. <laughs> right? But he messed up and he didn't go back far enough, right? So right after World War II, they're trying to kill Hitler. Typical New Jersey military fucks up. He, he only gets sent back a little bit. Oh, yes. The military of New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was in New Jersey and the military. I kind of just shorthanded that one. But sure. He ends up meeting Elizabeth Short, who unable to find acting work, but so dedicated to the craft, decided that she needed to figure out 
how to time travel into the future because she was ahead of her time. Okay. So she, she does travel into the future, right? And she ends up meeting Tim Burton. Okay. Who thinks immediately that she should be cast in the role of Edward Scissorhands. So he's thinking super far in advance and has her body sent back after the film Back in time, all mutilated. Nice. The Edward Scissorhands defense or offense. Yeah. The Edward Scissorhands I, offense. I like it. That That's her. Maybe maybe then Amber Heard wasn't wrong. Maybe Johnny Depp was very abusive. He's going to do something like that. That's true. So you're saying Johnny Depp did it in the future. <laughs> okay. So well, are we hashtag Amber Heard-ing it or Amber heard ya? I don't think we should hashtag Amber Heard anything. <laughs> hashtag Amber heard ya. So just to clarify, it was Johnny Depp that killed her because he wanted the role of Edward Scissorhands. No, it was definitely Tim Burton. Then oh, how does Johnny Depp play oh, into this? Okay. He didn't. But he did. Oh, I, I thought he was just because Johnny Depp is Edward Scissorhands. No. Apparently. Oh, it's no, not Johnny Depp at all. That's the, that's the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Oh, right. I see. They just gave the film credit to Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Elizabeth Short did become right. famous. And she, uh, Johnny Depp, here's how Johnny Depp gets in. He stole his career off of her like a man would mm. because. That's the next lawsuit. Yeah, that's, just wait. Yeah. Yeah. So, so was it also her in Friday the 13th then? No, and he wasn't in Friday the 13th. He was in a Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you. Uh, whatever it was, uh, Amber heard you. Hashtag Amber heard you. <laughs> <laughs> This is a pro Amber Heard podcast. <laughs> Going against the grain here. I am willing to adopt Rick's theory with some small adjustments. Okay. Wait, was yours close to that? <laughs> putting Johnny Depp in <laughs> If yours was anywhere near that, then we have a problem. It was a little bit near that. So it wasn't Johnny Depp. Let's just say that. But I'm I'm on board for Johnny Depp. I also like that that ties into... RJ's thing about how like everyone was a shitty actor back then and she was actually a great actress of her time and so she had to travel through time to be a good actress now so I like that but no hear me out okay she followed in the family footsteps and she faked her death she faked she faked her death that's where we're going with she faked her death uh, oh damn it was an actual mannequin yeah, Betty Bessinger was very scared. Hear me out. You're hear telling me, out. The me only part of she, that. She shoved meat into herself. You shut up. The only part of that body that was actually her was she cut off her own tattoo so that she could shove it up the vagina of the fake Elizabeth Short. Okay. So she doesn't have the tattoo now. Hence why Johnny Depp doesn't have that tattoo. So she faked her death and then time traveled into the future where she was Edward Scissorhands. Oh. And also, she's just Johnny Depp. She's every role since then. She is also. I co- I completely agree with all of that. The one thing I just want to say is let's raise our glasses to Dr. Walter Alonso Bailey because that poor motherfucker looked outside his window and thought that he was being targeted. <laughs> He's a targeted individual. That's what he took her out. Yeah, I think like both of those are very asinine and I like it both. Uh, that's fucking uncalled for. <laughs> Although her killing herself and kill, trying to kill somebody, like that's why she gave the Glasgow smile because the only thing that kind of looked different was her mouth. So she had different. Well, suicide was my first theory. 
but (laughs) too much facial beating to be a suicide i mean you cannot tell me that she would not have been in a tim burton movie if she was alive today i'm sorry but she literally looks like every single person that tim burton has ever done it looks like corpse bride yeah uh yeah that's right i think orson welles did it his name his real name's george tossing george around yeah gh and he did have a temper and they said that that they they went to the same restaurants together. Maybe she kept eating food off his plate, and he just got pissed at her. <laughs> and then like, and then like he's like, "I'm gonna fucking eat you." But so he opened up her jaw so she could eat like a snake. Oh yeah, yeah. You like to eat, bitch? Here, here's, here's these leftovers. <laughs> And then he was going to eat her, but he, well, it doesn't hold water. I think Orson Welles would have finished her, so. Maybe he did eat half of her. He could have. Maybe just that middle inch. Maybe she was an inch taller than they thought. That's what I said. She looked shorter. <laughs> <laughs> 1949, Orson Welles was handsome, I believe. He wasn't as chumbo mm, self that he was Fuck back off then. he was. Well, until he, well, look, I'll he got shit. some of that liver. And then he just started eating people. Come on. 1947 Orson Welles. Come on. He looks mm-hmm. like he's got a generative brain disease. No, he looks like he's wearing a fake face. Look at that. That's that's Elizabeth's face. <laughs> he looks zonked out on Quaaludes and like someone just placed that cigarette there while he was like. <laughs> this is actually the movie for Man from Shanghai, too. No, that's not his real face. Look at any of those other photos. That, that that man's wearing a mask of some sort. Mask that's too smiley. Look at that. You can see the line. The crease, like, coming from his ear. If they didn't have good actors back then, I don't think they had good makeup artists either. Though. Yeah, now now look up Orson Welles, 1985. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> that's where she time-traveled to. Come see me in the future. I'll make you eat my leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that was pretty gruesome. I'm, I, you're welcome. I'm glad I did that for us. Uh, Liz or uh, Abigail. Yeah. You got to you you, you listen to this whole thing. I I've trust that you wanted this solved. We gave you six solves. You get to pick the one that you think is the most solved. Well, I'm like you. When when I came into it, I thought it was Hodel. Yeah. But Dr. Bailey seems like a better option now i think you're right but i think the time travel i think you forgot about the time travel and uh I that don't is have a to good remi- theory i don't want to have to remind you <laughs> that edward scissorhands looks a lot like her they have the same hair that's, <laughs> true. that's true did did edward scissorhands have grass stuffed in his pussy though Ooh, probably he couldn't do that much with his pussy he definitely had a pussy because he couldn't piss if he was a guy it, that was gone after a while well, he was put together from spare parts she was taken apart. So they put her back together to make Edward's hands. There it was go. Vincent Price. Vincent Price did it. There you go. Were they able to figure out when people actually died at that time? Like if they were missing for a while, were they able to like figure out like time of death and shit? They said 10 hours before they found her. So late oh, okay. night on the 14th. But also they said it, it. it's hard to tell because she's emptied of blood. So, but one of the things I forgot to mention about Bailey that I forgot to write in there was the day Bailey died, his son, like, remember he said he had a a son that died was on January 13th, which would have been two days before uh, they found Elizabeth. So they figure maybe he fucking set it up. So it was the exact same day that his kid died too, like when he lost his shit, but it doesn't go into the whole mental illness thing. I forgot about that part. I was going to write that in today. But it doesn't go like if you're just mental illness snapping, you're not going to set up this big, long, elaborate plan. You're going to fucking just snap, right?
Okay, well, uh, thanks for the candles, discounts. Is that what we're going to get out of this? Abigail, are you feeling survived? Oh, oh no, I just got a two for one. You guys are getting one candle. I'm getting one candle. Oh, yeah, Celeste is getting but one I, candle. Well, that's bullshit. It smells like shit in here. That's your Why fault. do you think I never come visit? Because uh, we don't have a candle. It's not fair for you to take it. We had oh, a so if I leave a candle, visit. I have to come visit more? Hard pass. No, well, you don't have to, but I mean, it would just be, wouldn't be as awful. I'll tell you what, make Richard leave and it'll smell better in here. And I'll come visit more. I just, uh, well, all right. It's not Richard's fault that he loves Lindberger cheese and sourdough sandwiches, but only ever takes one bite out of them and then leaves them around the office. Okay. Yeah, I, I it's get a full. very specific condition. I'm a nibbler. Could we clean up the sandwiches? Sure. But then Richard would starve to death. So that's what I Abigail was for, but she was in jail, but now she's here. Right, and now we're under stacks and stacks of sandwiches to the point where I'm pretty sure there's dead cats underneath some of these piles. So where are you going to put a candle? So I get the candle. We're we'll agreed. We'll, here, we'll move two of these sandwiches, and then that leaves a level plane on this pile of sandwiches, and we'll balance the candle on there. These sandwiches are a fire hazard. I'm not giving you that, a Sourdough plane. is a moist bread, Celeste. It was once. Have you ever been around Richard? You get unmoist real fast. Yeah, but he he also has a habit of just spitting everywhere. So we we know that. So it's 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 wet enough, damp enough in here. I'm that... a nibbler and a spitter. Yeah. And a dribbler. And a dribbler. Yeah. <laughs> nib nib spits and dribs. That's that's what we know about. <laughs> that's what it says on my office door. <laughs> yeah, that's the sign I made. Um well, it's been nice to see you, Abigail. I hope we solved that for you. And we're going to invest in uh, with this. We're going to take this candle and bring it to the bank and invest it so we can get more candles. That's how money works, right? It's my fucking candle. No. All right. All right. Well, we'll we'll discuss the custody of the candle and come up with an arrangement. <laughs> I'm your boss. Yeah, I did right by you guys and you screwed me over. Well, we, well let's not live in the past, Abigail. Let's, let's move on to the future. And here, have a sandwich. Oh, great. This is, looks like it's been sitting for a week. No, it's fresh. Feel how moist it is. Or is that one of the spit ones? That's no, a dribble. That's, that's a dribble. One. Uh, no. I'd rather have spit. You guys are really pathetic. Just keep the candle. Just. Oh, you guys are so fucked. You don't even know how fucked you are yet. What does that mean? Oh, I you'll find know. out. I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're gonna stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And... If you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best.